Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, this is Maria Bamford, and you're listening to the Mental Health Comedy Podcast with Ed Krasnick and Jennifer Collard. Enjoy. All right. This is the show where we talk about mental health and practice mental health skills because mental health is a practice. Um, and I'm not going to say practice makes perfect because there's no perfection in it. But you know what is being felt by everyone these days is everyone is having issues. You are not alone. You have a lot of company. And on today's show, you're going to hear some of that company with some of the people that we've had on the show. This has been a hell of a year. Everybody's trying to deal with a worldwide pandemic. We're all in this together, and you're not alone. And Jennifer had a good idea that we would play some clips of some of the people who've been on the show sharing about their issues and how they deal. Now, these are all friends and friends of the show. You're going to hear Howie Mandel, Judd Apatow, Phil Rosenthal, Kevin Pollack as Al Pacino, Kira Saltanovich, Wendy Liebman, Kathy Ladman, and Wayne Fetterman. Let's call it Struggle Fest 2020, You're Not Alone. Here we go. Sure, we all need to choose love, but we also need to learn how to transform anger. And where better to go for anger tips than Kevin Pollack as Al Pacino? Okay, so the folks at Masterclass approached me to give a Masterclass on anger. First of all, I don't teach. I act. So right away... It makes me want to take a flamethrower to this whole fucking idea. I said, no. And then, oh boy, they complimented me on seven decades of iconic films. Hoo-ah. They said I could do it in my kitchen where I keep my cereal in broad daylight when my cat plays with a toys. Okie dokie, I said. <clears throat> Anger. Hey, look. I mean, it's easy to get angry. I'm having trouble here recording this damn thing on my phone. I still don't understand how my phone knows what I'm saying, let alone records it. This is one crazy day. A few points of interest about anger. You gotta feel it. Feel! Express! Don't fight. Personally. I'm a fan of anger. Anger, my friends, is a gateway emotion. Oh, yeah. It sits on top of other feelings. Is that nuts? Yeah. So you better be open and go blow the lid off every once in a while. When I did Supercool, for example, this is a guy who didn't want to take a payoff. I'm telling you straight. Be aware of what you feel. Check in. Don't check out. You've got to get a real life payoff if you follow these instructions. That's the truth. I say feel it. Move through it. Celebrate it! Holiday gift item, the mental health comedy holiday gift items, are the TED Talk action figures. The TED Talk action figures each comes with a mini screen and reusable stickers for fun PowerPoints. So you can see all your favorites. You can see Brene Brown. Whoever you want to see, you'll see them with the TED Talk action figures. They each come in a set, uh, and they're, it's going to be unbelievable. 
Now, Jennifer Kalari, no one knows better what's going on in the world emotionally right now because of the people that you see in your practice. Everybody is going through tremendous craziness right now. Is that is that true? It is. It is. People are really struggling. We're all really struggling. People are having a hard time. It's rare to wake up in the morning and just feel great and just kind of go along. Well, listen, there are people who are. There are people who are thriving. There are people who have kind of... Um, you know, develop some strategies to manage and make the best of it. And some people just by nature, just literally by the way they're wired are just happen to be more uh, resilient and easygoing and, 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 you know, and can recuperate very nicely. But for a lot of people, you kind of feel like you should be able to do that, but aren't. And I don't want people to feel bad about that. There, there are so many people that I'm working with these days who had been doing actually pretty well, even at the beginning of the pandemic, doing pretty well, especially the kids that I work with. And they're struggling. They they don't want to get out of bed. You know, school's so boring. What's the point? You know, people are struggling with, you know, missing just their routines, getting in the car, going through the drive-thru, getting their coffee, going to the office, moving through their day physically. So a lot of people are feeling very down, very down and very, very anxious. A lot of people waking up with that feeling of dread as soon as you open your eyes in the morning or having trouble going to sleep because of that deep, heavy feeling of just worry and dread. My way of taking care of myself is to stuff my feelings with everything that's available. Whatever <laughs> I can find, I'm going to do it. What I do, my kind of eating to comfort myself is that I'll take, you know, I'll take a regular meal, but then I'll do the add-ons. I'll just start adding on. <laughs> and it's like, wait a minute, you just ate a whole meal. And I'm like, nope, not done yet. <laughs> And it's like, I need that feeling of fullness, yeah. but I can't, I don't stop. Yeah. It's not that I binge. It's just, it's just more. Yeah. Also, I don't know if you know people like this, but I am a, like, I'm a scratcher. Like I will, you know, I, I have like these ticks that, that will come up <laughs> and all of a sudden, um, you know, I look like I've been in fight club. <laughs> Um, so I'm in fight club and then I'm eating like a pig. Other than that, everything's pretty good. Well, and here again, like you're not alone in a lot of these things, right? So, and plus it's the holidays. So the holidays is like an extra reason to be like, oh, it's the holidays we eat. So, you know, we've said this before, but when you eat to fill an emotional hole, right? When you're eating from fear or sadness, it's going to be processed differently in your body. And you really have to look at the reasons why, you know, it's certainly okay to indulge a little bit over the holidays, but, you know, we've got to ask ourselves, you know, why we're doing these things. And lots of people are scratchers and pickers, but that's just a thing. In fact, I have a really cool strategy if people are scratchers or pickers. It's, it's so weird, but it really works. You know the white glue that you use for crafts? Yes. You take that white glue and you put it on your palms so that it's a nice thin layer, and then you can sit there and... Pick it off. Like I've always been sort of a, you know, a, a fidgeter, mm -hmm. but there isn't a fidget, a fidget spinner made that can handle me. I mean, I'm out <laughs> of my mind. Try the white glue it's, and then let me know how you think. Okay. I use this all the time for, for the kids that I work with and the, the young people that I work with who tend to pick. Right. So, um, wow. And it you're works. talking about like regular glue, like the yeah, glue that you use. It has use to be the white like glue. It can't, it can't be the, um, that orangey goldy color glue. It has to be the white glue. And then you like just Elmer's glue. Yeah, Elmer's glue. So you put a thin, it's got to be a thin layer, and then you just kind of blow on it and let it dry, and then you can pick it off. Okay, so never mind the fact that I'm missing about 1,800 glue jokes here. Never mind that. Let's move on with the show. 
fact, I need to wear glue during when we tape because there's so much crap going on. <laughs> well, um, um, well yeah. here's, so here's the thing. Ed, if, like some people, there's little weird habits people have. They they like to, you know, pull the, their hair, like at the back of their neck, they pull their hair or they pick at their skin or, um, or, or nail biting, like all of these different little habits. You can just use a substitute habit. You can interrupt it with something that feels almost as good but isn't. And then, it, you know, for people who like that, and it sounds so simple, but giving your brain something to do. So knitting is phenomenal. Honestly, I don't knit, but, but for people who like to do repetitive things that calm them down um, and coloring can be really effective. Yeah. I, I'm a big books. proponent of, of adult coloring books oh, yeah, I, or any kind of coloring book. It's not just kids yeah. or adults, but, but I always like the, uh, the, the flip book where you actually, you start as a mess and then you put yourself together as a human being and then you color it in, get yourself together. It would be a whole line of products. Oh, I like that. So, you're listening to the mental health comedy podcast and we're back with struggle fest 2020 company with a lot of the people who've come in, some of the people who've come in and uh, shared their lives mental health wise and some of the things that they do to deal. Here's my first boss in LA, so smart about so much, such a big mental health advocate. Here's Howie Mandel. It looks oh, like Ed is working a drive-through at the same time as he's doing this. Uh... <laughs> well, that's true. I actually, hold on, lady. Is this a new, a new system that you just put on for today? Because this system, it hasn't been the same since Radio Shack closed. <laughs> uh, my soapbox is mental health. You know, I'm uh, fascinated how, uh, at how much in myself perpetuated this for many decades, how much of a stigma mental health is. And I believe that mental health trumps physical health, you know, has power over its mind over matter. I've been very open about, you know, I, I suffer from anxiety, depression, OCD. I have got like everything. But I don't think that there's a human alive that doesn't, or a human that doesn't have issues. Being able to cope with those issues and learning life skills and coping skills are what we all need. And what happens is when I talk about, you know, being a, a germaphobe or having OCD, a germaphobe is, is not an issue. A germaphobe is just one of my little side effects of my, uh, my OCD. But the truth of the matter is that I'm a proponent of kind of acknowledging that you need help and you need to do something for yourself. And what works for me may not work for you. And, you know, I'm medicated. I won't talk about specifically what medications I'm on. But along with medication, I exercise and I don't exercise to stay in shape physically. I exercise to try to stay in shape mentally. I think the biggest thing that I will share is uh, distraction. My biggest distraction usually falls in the way of comedy. It was not considered comedy when I was in, in school. I wasn't able to finish school. I guess they got distracted and didn't finish my education. The distraction has been the biggest thing. And I, and I believe that ultimately, aside from medications, everything we do is somewhat of a distraction for our mental health. And whether that's meditating or breathing or, you know, going and playing a game or distracting yourself with, you know, something outside in conversations. I think the biggest issue and the biggest panacea for me is the ability to talk about it and not be embarrassed about it. Part of the 
neurosis of being a comedian, and I've spoken to other comedians about it, including Ed, myself. You know, I was doing, uh, if, if, and this goes for everybody, if you're doing a show and, uh, you know, seven to 10,000 people are roaring and laughing, but there's one guy up front who's not making any eye contact and not smiling, it becomes your whole mind. As every comic does that, like, what the hell is wrong with this one guy? It's not good enough that 6,999 people are just loving you, but if you could focus on the one negative, the one guy, and what happened is I ended up in the moment, and this is how I think, in the moment without any thought, saying, why the hell is this guy not, he's not even looking at me, he doesn't seem to be paying attention to me, and the woman sitting next to him goes, he's blind. He was in the front row. He's blind. And I went, he's blind? And then, you, you know, I had stopped the whole show and you could feel like a collective, 7,000 people, a collective gasp of, oh, shit. He just dug himself, you know, a very dark hole. Had I thought about this, I probably wouldn't say it. But because I didn't think about it, I just went, why the fuck would you spend money to buy a blind man a front row ticket when, you know, you probably could have saved 30 bucks, put him in the balcony and lied to him and told him he was in the front row. I had lost the audience for a second when I said he's blind because I went, what the fuck is this? He's not even looking at me. When I did that line without thinking, I won them back, you know, but the truth is maybe that is a good template for had I really thought, I probably wouldn't have done that line. I probably wouldn't have done that. But that became the highlight. It could have, could have gone the other way, too. <laughs> you know, it could have gone very bad. But most things in my life have been that knee-jerk reaction to go, you want to get on stage? You know, it was a dare. I got on stage at Yuck Yucks. I didn't show up there to be a comedian. And then when I did that, I had a place to go. And, it was, and then somebody said, when I was in Los Angeles, you want to try to get on I wasn't here for comedy. You want to get on stage at the comedy store? And I got on stage at the comedy store, and there happened to be a, a producer there from a comedy game show who said, do you want to be on? And I did that comedy game show, and I flew back to Toronto. And then I started getting calls from Mike Douglas and Merv Griffin. And, you know, I've noticed that, and this was before I was open about whatever issues. You know, I, I had a... a in my own mind, a rough childhood. I have a very loving, supportive family. It was wonderful. But growing up in the 60s, when you have these mental health issues, you know, you don't talk to your mom about it and everybody was just accepting of it. And I don't have a GED. And I went to three different high schools and didn't finish any of them. That was kind of a sore spot for me because I didn't have the ability to sit. I can't sit for any length of time and focus. If somebody had diagnosed me, if they had let me just just the, the ability to stand up in the class or maybe just pace the back of the class. I could have stayed in school and probably excelled. It's how I take things in. And I also take things in audibly rather than visually. So reading was a little harder for me than listening to something and comprehending. What I learned is we're all different. One size doesn't fit all in life. That's why I say that whatever you, it takes for you to, as Ed kind of pointed out, acknowledge that there is an issue. That's first and foremost with any issue that anybody has. Acknowledge you're, you're a human being and you may need help and you may need some coping skills. And those coping skills could be as little as I get mad really easily. You know, I have a, a sharp temper. Here's what's going to happen. I'm not going to, from now on, I'm not going to respond when I'm angry. I'm always going to wait. I'm going to count to 10. I'm just going to breathe. Maybe that, that that's not, you know, I'm not advocating for that 
but that can be a tool. And the thing is that you always have to look for a tool. You know, if you want to fix something, you walk into a garage and you don't know what you have. Maybe I could do it with a yeah. screwdriver. You know what? I don't have a screwdriver. Maybe I can use the, the knife in the drawer. And, the, and that, oh, you know what? I just have, maybe I'll unscrew it with a quarter. I'll do it like that. You know, you just look for whatever tool you're going to need to get whatever you need done. Right? You need a toolbox. You can't go in with one tool. But you want to have a number of different strategies. And the crazy part is anxiety itself is a bit of a beast. It's this hungry emotion that likes to be fed. And when you give into it, it gets stronger. It takes territory from you. So the more you give into it, the more it comes back and it gets you. And it, sometimes the anxiety will be like, oh, I know what you're doing. You're using that strategy again. Forget it. I don't like that strategy anymore. And it'll come back so hard on you that that strategy doesn't work anymore. So then you have a few other ones. There's a couple of things I think that are really important. And it, it comes down to parenting a little bit. It comes down to helping kids. Right. We raise our children to avoid and be afraid of their emotions. And as parents, we're afraid of our children's emotions. Oh, he's crying, buy him something. Oh, he's upset and calling his teacher. Oh, he didn't get invited to that. I'm gonna, we'll have your own party with your cousin. There's a lot of like fixing and solving. And part of staying with your emotions is actually really important because they're just trying to tell you something. They're information. And if you ignore them, they're going to keep coming. And if you have a mind like yours, Howie, and there's so many people that are like this, the school system is also not one size fits all. For a lot of kids sitting in school and listening to something and not being emotionally connected to what you're listening to and you know, bored out of your mind, you were probably thinking of all kinds of things. And you probably have the kind of brain that just breaks things down and fractalizes and it's gone in five minutes and you're like, what happened to the time? And you've already thought about 15 other things. And there's lots of teachers who love kids and who do their best for students like that, but school is a nightmare for a lot of kids, an absolute nightmare. They're in there every day feeling stupid and feeling like they can't do what they need to do and they can't come home and prove to their parents that they've understood. Meanwhile, well, I, I've right. always said our problems in the world, the, the two solves to every world problem, and I'm talking about economy, I'm talking about racism, I'm talking about productivity, the two are mental health and education. I think if we had a good standard of education and mental health was part of our curriculum, everything would be solved. What you think about, you're giving energy to. Where, Where thoughts go, energy flows. So when we spend all day thinking about what's going wrong, what isn't working, what's happening in the world, the pandemic, all this stuff that we can't necessarily do anything about right there in that moment, but we're ruminating about it, where energy, where thoughts go, energy flows. You're giving that energy. So you take your brain and you think about it. And the holidays, you know, it's maybe one of the nicest distractions if you happen to celebrate either Hanukkah or Christmas. You know, lights are glowing. and But again, people aren't with their families necessarily. There's people who are going to be alone for Christmas trying to have a Zoom dinner. I mean, big family gatherings aren't happening and that people are also feeling that. But, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a natural association with, you know, the, the holidays and the lights and the music that can naturally lift you. So focusing on those things can really help focusing on what you do have and what joy there is right now versus what you're missing can help tremendously. This guy has a great show on Netflix called Somebody Feed Phil, one of the most generous people in the world, a great friend. And here Phil talks about how he takes care of himself and how he feeds himself emotionally. What you see on the show is the best version of who I try to be. A lot of it is because I'm on television. I've tried to, and the show has helped me, be more that guy. 
that you see, the happy, hungry man, the curious, the secure, the trying to have fun, the showing you what's fun in life. And I have to take my own advice. And so I try to do that. Now, I was somewhat that way before because, you know, I wouldn't have the show otherwise. They tend to cast with people that that they want to project on there, right? So I think I've always been somewhat happy. I've had no horrible tragedy in my life. I've had the ups and downs like everybody else. I get depressed like everybody else. But I also have taken many steps in my life to ameliorate that, to, to find what's good, to find what makes you feel better that's good for you, right? One thing is lunch with friends. Very simple. Lunch. Find a lunch every day because the lunch is the tentpole in your day. And if we're writing a sitcom script, all the action of the first act rises to the act break, the middle of the show, and all the action is going to fall from it in the second act. So it's this tentpole in the middle of the day. It's lunch, people. I love this. (laughs) And it's not just the meal. It's who it's going to be with. It's exciting. So I'm telling you, this is the practical thing that I love in life is where's lunch? I even named my production company after I love that. it. So Judd Apatow came on with us. And aside from being one of the greatest producer, writer, directors in the world, he's very conscious of what goes on with him and what he needs to try to stay sane. So here's Judd. I've been enjoying the show, and I think that everything that you're talking about is is so needed, but especially by me. And <laughs> I, yeah. you know, when I listen to you guys talk about it, you know, what what I what I think uh, is that I, as someone that's been fascinated by psychology and self help my whole life, uh, and I think I understand a lot of it, I do need simple hacks to just change things. I, I get it, but I really need the thing that helps me change the habit. And that's, that's very hard to do. It takes a lot of discipline. It takes a lot of discipline to meditate every day. You know, there is a part of your brain that desperately wants you to not meditate every day. And especially now when everyone's under so much stress, it is easier to eat Haagen-Dazs than meditate. And yeah. I have been taking these two-hour walks most mornings. That's the way I've been doing it, which is I just get up early. I've decided to be a guy who gets up early. Mm. And I walk for about two hours, and that's how I clear my head. And then I feel somewhat sane for the rest of the day, or at least for about four or five hours. I definitely hunger for a lot of what you're talking about in terms yeah. of what, what, do you, what do you literally do? What do you do? Like I'll talk to my therapist and he'll explain a lot about how your brain works and how your fight or flight works. And, and he always relates it to evolution. He's, he just says, you know, you, you, were, you, know, you, were, uh, you evolved from somebody that was just in the woods trying not to get eaten. And your brain is mainly overreacting to modern life because it thinks it's about to get killed when it's really just maybe a note from the network on a script. <laughs> no, uh, it's, yeah. And, it's the same, yeah. And, and sadly, it works. I mean, this is the thing that I think has been my biggest issue is that my hypervigilance and my terror of of failing in my work and having my entire world collapse 
has led to me do, doing better work. It has led to me having a, a solid career. But when you get home, you're still shaking from your hypervigilance and this you know, low-level, constant fight-or-flight stress that is the, the gasoline in your, your uh, motivation to work hard. And so that's the thing I'm always fighting against. You know, in my daughter's school, when, they, when she first started, they, had, they said, divide your, your, yourself up to three quadrants, uh, panic zone, challenge zone, and comfort zone. And then monitor how you feel which zone you're in when you're doing your work. That's pretty simple, sure. but it could change your life, right? Because if you're aware that you are running on gasoline and it's, it's, it helps your career, but it actually doesn't feel good, is there, my question always, is there a way to be an artist, be a creative person and feel good at the same time and not have to, you know, not have to go into that, that hyper, like you call it hypervigilance, which actually is a skill, but can you turn that on and off when you do come home? What, you know, what's the trick? How do you, you know, how do you say, well, I don't want to run like that right now. I actually want to let that go. So what, is there something that you do? Is there something that works for you? You say you take the walk in the morning, but now later you're going to be in an editing room and it's going to come up again. What do you do then? Well, what are the three zones again? Tell me the three zones. Challenge zone, panic zone, and comfort zone. You do not want to be in your comfort zone. You want to be in your challenge zone, but you don't want to be in your panic zone, right? So most people are in their The world is in the panic zone right now. Mm -hmm. So, so I'm asking like what works for you that, that besides you said the walk, is there anything else? And then, and then Jennifer, you, you speak to this because- sure. This is, you're, you're talking to Judd Apatow. You're talking about like, <laughs> you're a very successful person. Yeah. So, and you have a lot of awareness. So, but you're still telling me that you still have this, this hypervigilant motor running. So. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I think that part of it is, uh, you know, coming from a divorced family in the sense that I that didn't feel safe at times in terms of getting the right advice mainly because I saw my parents fighting. So I think in my mind, I thought, I don't know if I can trust the advice they give me because I don't agree with what they're doing to each other. Mm -hmm. Even though they were nice people going through a, a normal, ugly divorce, as a little kid, I just thought, man, you better figure this all out by yourself. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so for me, that became the motivation to feel stable. How can I feel stable? So now the trick is to understand what is unnecessary for my work. Usually I'm thinking, what problem might happen and can I solve it before it happens? That's, that's what a producer does. This is the problem is all of this hypervigilance actually is helpful. I might go, what? What budget do I need for this project so I don't have to fight with the studio in four months when I realize I don't have enough money? And so there's a thousand of those going on at the same time. And mm -hmm. what, I'm, what I'm trying to do is I, lately I've been studying the concept of being in flow. And mm -hmm. all this tension doesn't get you into flow. It doesn't lead to writing better. It doesn't 
get me into my most imaginative space. So how can I lower the stakes and realize that there's a space in my mind that I can only get to if I have no cortisol? The problem is that for me, I'm a producer and I'm a writer. So the, the tension helps the producing at times. It doesn't help the writing at all. It destroys the writing. Right. And so I'm trying to figure out, you know, how can I meditate and start writing before I think about business or watch the news so I can get into my creative place and my fun place and have ideas come to me? Because if I'm panicked about the world or something with my family, I can't access my imagination. Mm -hmm. So what you're talking about, you know, and Jennifer, you speak to this is, 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 you know, how you manage your brain, how you actually control, not control, but make choices that allow you to, you know, be in a, be in a state of flow. And, and maybe Jennifer, how is that? How, how do people who are wired like, like Judd and, and, you know, uh, stand up like myself or, you know, the creative people, how do you, how do you drive your brain? How do you sure. learn how to drive your own brain? Well, it, and Judd said it, like it's, it, it's discipline. It takes work, right? But it, it takes way more work to not do it. Let me just say that, right? It really does. And, and if you have time to be stressing about all this stuff, then you have time to do things that will help you not stress about it. So first thing I want to say to it, I don't want people who are listening who aren't listening, artists or to think that it, it only happens to people who are super creative. It, it happens to people who care about their work it happens to everyone and there's lots of people who have incredible potential and they're still in their basements because they're too afraid to even do anything they could be doing the kind of stuff that that judd is doing and you're doing it but they're too terrified to fail so they don't even leave the basement right so the brain can can um overdo it to the point where you're literally frozen so the first thing i want to say is i want people i mean you have to understand that anxiety and motivation are it's a continuum right so in order to be motivated, you have to be a little bit anxious. But when it's an anxiety that works for you, then you're in that challenge mode. Now you're on fire. Now you're excited. Now you're, you're moving in the right direction. You're in flow. Um, when, you are, um, when, you're, when, it, when it's to the point where the brain thinks you're in danger, well, now, now you're not in flow anymore, right? And, and I want you to think of anxiety a little bit like an allergy, right? It's, like, it's so ridiculous to be allergic to strawberries or peanuts or whatever. It's so ridiculous, but it's the body completely overreacting to it. And that's what anxiety is. It's, it's, a, it's an emotional allergy, right? So, and it's something that needs to be managed. If you know you have hay fever, you're not going to walk around in, in, a, in a field of flowers. You're going to take your allergy medication first. You're going to do a bunch of things first, so then you can enjoy the field, right? So it's, it's one of these things where you just have to learn how to manage. Now, Judd, you were saying something really interesting because you, were, you had grown up kind of watching your parents who were for sure in fight or flight all the time, anytime they talked about each other or saw each other. And you were also in a state of scarcity, right? I have to keep this together or, right? And I have to do this or this is going to be gone from me. Yeah. So whenever the brain thinks in terms of scarcity, you're already going to set yourself into kind of fight or flight mode. If I don't figure this out, it's over. If I don't get this right, my career is done, right? So it, whenever it's that dramatic in the brain, you're, you're going to trip off the, the fight or flight mechanism because it doesn't know it's a, you know, I don't know, some big Hollywood person you have to speak to. It thinks it's a tiger that's going to jump out of the bushes and eat you. So I want to talk about heart coherence for a moment because this is really important. And I think we've touched on this in the other episodes, but 
They're actually brain cells in your stomach, actual brain cells, neurites, in your heart and obviously in your brain. And the, the heart can actually uh, inform the brain. Uh, that's where intuition comes from. That's where you know, uh, um, a strong sense that something's going to work or not work comes from. And when your heart and when your head are aligned, that's when you're in flow. That's when you're going to be the most creative. That's when you're going to just be on fire and you're like up all, all night with these amazing ideas and it's going to feel wonderful. It's not going to feel terrifying. It's not going to be like, oh my God, I got to do this. It's going to feel absolutely wonderful. And we've all been in that state in our own way. So the idea is to get yourself into that state. You're listening to the Mental Health Comedy Podcast, and that was Judd Apatow. We had a great talk with Judd. There's a lot more uh, of those kind of conversations with Judd and Howie Mandel and Maria Bamford and all of these uh, incredible people, creative people, thoughtful, talented uh, people who are trying to take care of themselves like all of us are during this really difficult time so you can hear all of these things you can hear the full episodes at make light m-a-k-e-l-i-g-h-t media.com make light one word media.com you can hear everything you can hear it wherever you get your podcast and please subscribe and please share we're all in this together Kira Saltanovich is so incredibly funny. I mean, one of the best stand-ups, actresses, and improvisers. She's also the parent of two young kids, and she's helping her mom as well. Let's hear about how she juggles those things. My four-year-old finally, you know, out of diapers, my mom in diapers. I can't escape wiping someone's butt. I just can't escape it. It's wearing me very thin because I had to take care of her while homeschooling, and I'm not qualified for either. I'm not their real teacher, and they know that. And so the kids, remember how you treated your substitute teacher? Remember? Substitutes? (laughs) They'd walk in the room. Boo! Boo! You're not my real teacher. Boo! And they haze you, and they treat you terribly. And... You know, and so I, it's a lose-lose. So fix it. So much of this is so not normal, right? Like COVID and trying yeah. to parent and be the teacher and look after your mother and squish between two generations and worrying about a pandemic. Like it's just nuts. It really is. And so many people right now are so overwhelmed and so fried. I have so many families that I work with and so many moms who said to me, I was such a nice person before I had kids. Like I never yeah. yelled at anybody. Now I'm screaming all the time. It's so hard. It can bring out the ugliest parts of your soul that you didn't even know were there. But it can also bring out such joy, right? Such love that you've never felt in your whole life. So the calm technique means you're going to connect first. You're going to put your agenda aside. The next letter is A. That's affect matching. That means the affect on your face needs to kind of match the one on his. Not exactly because that's weird, but that's why he wants you to get the urgency of what he's upset about. If Mm -hmm. you don't get the urgency of what he's upset about, he's going to lock you down. He's going to lock onto you and make sure that you get it. And he's going to go on and on and on until you want to jump out the window trying to help you understand how devastating and how terrible this situation is that he's found himself in. So the affect matching is really important. You also take your agenda, which is how dare you speak to me that way. And oh my God, you're going to grow up and no one, you're not going to have any friends and how are you ever going to be successful if you maneuver in the world this way and all of that stuff. You got to put that aside. Then L is the next one. So this is when you're listening. You can clarify, which is the best one for a gladiator kid. You can summarize, you can paraphrase, or you can wonder out loud. 
if you're using like a summary, so let's say he's building, I don't know, a Lego thing. He's building uh-huh. Millennium Falcon at a Lego. Okay. Uh-huh. And one little thing goes wrong. And now he's hysterical. I hate the people at Lego need to be fired. You need to right. do something. My life is over and nothing ever works the way I want it to. And the whole thing, uh-huh. if you come upstairs and you're like, honey, let's see if we can fix it. Like, we'll just do it again. No, we can't do it again. You don't know how. It, like anything you try to suggest, he's probably going to have a counter for. Yep. With a typical kid, you could paraphrase. So you would say the same thing he just said with like a little twist. So you're sort of figuring like how this is somebody's job to make Lego. And here you are, a really intelligent kid making something and it fell apart. I didn't say the people at Lego sh- should be fired, but do but you see how I'm matching him? Right. Yep. That works really well. That's paraphrasing. You could summarize. Oh my God, this happens to you every time. Every time this happens with these Lego pieces. What's going on? This happened when you were trying to build the whatever, right? So you're now linking it back that you've noticed that this has happened to him with this Lego at other times. So Wayne Fetterman came in and talked to us. And Wayne I've known for years. And he is creative at everything. So many different things. He's a comedy historian. He He's a producer. He's an actor. He's a host. He has his own film festival. He produced the Zen Diaries of Gary Shandling for HBO with Judd Apatow. He's an author. He wrote a book about Pete Maravich. He does everything, and he, of course, performs all over the place for so many years, and he battles stage fright. So we talk about that and other skills. Constantly curious. He interviewed Jennifer, and I think they went through about 40,000 skills. Here's just an excerpt. I did suffer from stage fright and still have it. So that, I assume, is an old theme song of mine, if I'm getting this metaphor correct. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So tell us about, tell, now how have you learned how to manage that? Because you're a performer, you're on stage like half your life. How do you, how do you, how do you handle it? What works for you? Working through it, acknowledging it. I had this thing where it was just like, um, I feel like I was making it worse in a way. It's like, it's already there, but now suddenly, oh my God, now it's, it's, it's even worse because, um, so it's like, I kept, I just kept saying, oh my God, I'm doing this to myself. So I don't know if that's uh, something someone does. I mean, Doctor, what do you think? It is time once again for the Olympic Games, the Olympic Games. And what this is, is we work on the limbic system. The limbic system is where, in your brain, all of the fight, flight, or freeze reactivity is. And so Jennifer's always got some great tips, some great skills, some great things that we can practice. So welcome to the Olympic Games. Here's a really interesting brain hack because the limbic system is really dumb. Like it's your, all of your intelligence is all in the frontal lobe. The limbic system's dumb. So you can trick it. So you can go on stage in your mind, imagine it very, very, with a lot of detail, you know, hear the sound of your feet clicking on the stage, feel the mic in your hand, look out, feel the, see the lights, like make it as real as you possibly can. And that's really important. And then imagine yourself doing your thing and thinking to yourself, I'm not even nervous. Like, this is crazy. I'm really enjoying myself. This is, this is great. And imagine yourself walking off the stage and being like, kind of just like, huh, don't, don't be all excited about it. Just kind of like, huh, that was really cool. That, that wasn't a problem this time. And imagine that over and over and over again. And that is cognitive and emotional rehearsal. Rehearse- so so I have to it. rehearse my emotions, not yeah. just the set. Not, not just, just the set. Not just the piano thing I do. Not yeah. that. No. 
The key is the emotion because that's. Right. I'm so writing now, this down. I'm writing this down. Yeah. I don't then, like to listen to my voice. Keep going. So, so, what's cool about this, and this is why you have it's a combination of really having the details, the imaginary details, and the feeling at the same time. Those two things together are the brain hack because now your brain, now your limbic system thinks it's a memory. And now you've been on that stage so many times and you haven't been scared mm-hmm. that your brain doesn't, it doesn't send the alert out anymore. But let's say, just hypothetically, taking Wayne out of it, yeah. let's say you've been socially anxious at parties for 20 years, mm-hmm. and then you start practicing this, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to visualize this, I'm going to rehearse this, and you do it, I don't know, 15 times. Is that any way, will that be enough to mitigate 20 probably, years? Probably not. I mean... Li- Listen, it's not going to take 20 years to grow new ones. Yes, that's the question. But, but How long I would will it take to it, grow new ones? Here's the thing. As, as often as you have <laughs> wow. to worry about this, this, this is really important. The, the, as often as you have to worry about it, if you did what I'm telling you to do, and you just did that constantly, so I worry about it, and then you insert it with this kind of neutralization. So mm-hmm. you're basically constantly doing it. Yeah. You could probably grow enough kind of, and there'll be other things we could add, but if you did it for a couple of months, it would start to make a huge difference. It's the coolest little trick. If you let your tongue just go softly onto your bottom teeth, just let it kind uh-huh. of go soft. Uh-huh. Your, stomach, your stomach will let go. And as soon as your stomach lets go, it sends a signal to the brain that you don't have to protect your, your vital organs anymore, right? Because the first thing we do when we think we're being attacked is like we tighten everything up, right? Because we might be punched in the stomach or hit with something, right? So it's an it's a, it's a, a, um, unconscious thing that we, we tighten up all our muscles and that leads to back pain and headaches and not wanting to, you know, either overeating or undereating. And so our body is always talking to us. Mm-hmm. And these emotions are information, we think of, the, oh, I've got to ignore my emotions. I've got to, you know, drink right. something or swallow something or, or distract myself. But that makes things worse. The more you distract yourself from anxiety, the more anxiety goes, well, he's not listening. I've got to oh. make him and listen. And get stronger. And get stronger. Exactly. And get stronger. Exactly. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So, so feelings, you talk, talk, Jennifer talks about this all the time, but it's really, you can't hear it enough. And that is emotions and thoughts are messages. Yeah. Emotions are messages. It's energy and motion. It's sending you a message and it's like somebody knocking on the door and you're saying, I don't hear it. Hey, if you listen to the show and even if you don't, Jennifer shares all kinds of skills. Sometimes it's a brain hack. It's a way of changing your thinking or perspective. Sometimes it's a physical thing. Here she's working with the great Kathy Ladman. Check this out. So I have a crazy strategy, which I don't know, I don't know how we can try this on the call, but maybe people that are listening can try it. So I call it taking 10 steps back. It is time once again for the Olympic Games, the Olympic Games. And what this is, is we work on the limbic system. The limbic system is where in your brain all of the fight, flight, or freeze reactivity is. And so Jennifer's always got some great tips, some great skills, some great things that we can practice. So welcome to the Olympic Games. So, Kathy, are you in a space where you could actually move around a little bit? Oh, yeah. Okay. And, Ed, you can try this, too, if you can. Sure. So, basically, you imagine this project, whatever this thing is that you have to do this afternoon, and imagine that you're standing right in front of it, and it's literally right in front of your nose. And you will probably feel an escalation in anxiety when you think of that thing right in front of you. Okay? Yes. Now, what I want you to try, look behind you so you don't fall, but I want you to try to take 10 fairly big steps away. Leave leave the project where it is. You're taking 10 steps back from it. 
Okay. Confidence okay. 10 steps back. Okay. And then tell me when you're 10 steps back. Okay. I'm, I'm 10 steps back. Okay. Now think about the project. Can you feel a shift? Do you feel a difference? Yes. Isn't that weird? Now take 10 steps to the side. So you're even farther away from it. Oh, I don't have a very big play. Take as much as you can. Or All even right. imagine 10 imaginary steps even will help. Okay, I'll, I'll do as much as I can. Okay. All right. Now think of it okay. again. How do you feel? It's, it's, I feel calmer. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Such a simple thing. So before you sit down to do that this afternoon, do your mm -hmm. breathing. Tell yourself, okay. I don't agree to be nervous. Stay in the center, stay in the now. Um, we were talking in another episode too, but whenever you have a project or something that you're working on, if you say, oh, I have to, if that's how you're starting, you're already going to have biochemistry that matches right. that and your limbic system right. you're in danger. So you say, I'm excited, I'm creative, and I get to, that will help. Right. And then do the 10 steps back. Right. And, and, you, and the, yeah. it's basically a perspective shift. Mm -hmm. Yes. I've known Wendy since she started, and her view of things is pretty real and refreshing, and I think she sums it up really well. Here's Wendy Liebman. How can I stop eating my weight in Cheez-Its? <laughs> I've tried yoga. It is so much easier just to drink, though. And I learned a lot from doing stand-up comedy that could be applied to real life. Sometimes I'm great. Sometimes I suck. Most of the time, I'm fine. Thank you for listening to this very special Struggle Fest 2020 edition of the Mental Health Comedy Podcast. Thanks to all of the guests who've appeared up until now and many more in the coming months, including next week's guests, actress, comedian, writer, uh, Marilyn Ricecub, who you may know as Chloe on the show 24, and you may know her from Little Miss Sunshine and many, many other things. She's great. She's amazing. She's wildly creative. Always been a fan. Marilyn Ricecub joining us next week here on the Mental Health Comedy Podcast. So have a great week. Any one of these skills, relate, you know, shout out to us. We have social pages on both uh, Instagram and Facebook and very shortly Twitter. And keep coming back at Works if you work at checkoutconnectedparenting.com, connectedparenting.com for many more skills, books, classes, all kinds of media from Jennifer Kalari. And we will see you next week. And we'll be thinking about you. Um, we'll think about all of us going through this together. It keep, keep coming back. It works if you work. And my daughter just yelled from the other room. So let's remind you of that. Keep coming back. It works if you work. It. Ed Krasnick, Jennifer Kalari. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.